Hey, come on, guys. I gotta get this re-remix done, and this is just the place to do it. No one else around for miles, no email, no phones, big empty pool with weird tiles. It's great. Come on. Oh, hey, excuse me, guys. Your fire echoed. Help. Hey guys, you're listening to the Flannel Cakes Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. This week we interviewed Craig Bell, a musician based out of Indianapolis who's been in the punk scene for over 40 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and he's still in, in it. Yes. He's in his 60s, he's still Currently touring, playing. still putting out new music. Yeah, and he has a record coming out now called AKA Darwin Lane that collects... A lot of his like old cassettes and things that were previously only available. Stuff that was like only bootleg. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, and uh, we just had a really awesome discussion. He told us stories from the road and stories from shows that he's done. Yeah, and we ate some Weetabix, which was weird as fuck. And I gotta say, he's like the spirit animal of this podcast. Yeah. We had this 64-year-old man on, and I was like... Well, he's not going to want to talk about cartoons or cereal. He was Great. so into cartoons and this, cereal. This is one of the most in-depth like cartoon analyses oh, yeah. we've done. We watched Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil, and we stripped down this cartoon. To the nuts and bolts. Yes, we really took a hard <laughs> look at it. Yeah, and, uh, it was great. ate this very, very interesting cereal a that Jack already British mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I forgot it's British. It's called Weetabix, and yeah. it is... Super, super unique. By far the most unique cereal we've had on this podcast to date. And I I gotta say, not bad. You didn't care for it. Well, let's not get into our opinions (laughs) just yet. Let them listen to it. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) For a more cereal, turn on the TV. I'm watching my cartoons, please don't bother me. I could grow up tomorrow, pay the bills and be responsible. But today it just doesn't feel possible. Let's talk about life and death and everything between. Things that keep you up at night and idiosyncrasy. Public bathroom etiquette and matches we can't see. Girls needs to know where the nature of reality. Let's talk about life and death and everything between. Breakfast foods and bad times, the cartoons on the TV. Breakfast foods and bad times, the cartoons on the TV. story arc through the whole thing right yeah it's it's all like lucy is the antichrist and it's the building of that like the devil's grand plot versus the vatican's super soldier trying to stop him it's always funny when there's a show where like really deep like worldly stuff is happening on that but and like you don't see all that in an episode we just plop in on it it's just them like yeah, fighting over yeah. what record is going to be played. A little bit of business. Yeah. Well, that's oh, one of the our Burning favorite. Man is a yeah. great one <laughs> with the candle, and and everybody's like, you know, just totally messed up, and they're driving through a brain. It's it's the temptation story from the Bible, right? And so, Burning Man is like Jesus's temptation. They're driving through the desert, and it's like, he's, look at all the drugs and the sex and the well, no, it's sweet not so DJ much stuff. that. It's he's driving through the desert, and uh, and somehow he's got the devil and Becky giving him a ride because something happened. His ride messed up or something. So they're driving him there, and and the devil is trying to tempt him with uh, 
with stuff and he's going oh no 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 it's cool he goes you know it just we don't need i guess in the in the storm they end up at some really nice house he goes oh this all computers and i just go oh no no i gotta get to burning man man i gotta do my <laughs> set you know and everybody at burning man is waiting for him and waiting for him where is he and lucy's roaming around and you know meeting people and there's this big sandstorm and all of a sudden they show up and as soon as they show up the whole party starts and everything and even jesus i mean even the devil is out there you know, dancing yeah. because you know, I mean, the a, devil likes music, obviously. A slave to the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he does. Um, so, in the show, so, some Jesus, mothers would yeah. say he has his own genre of music, yes. the devil's music. Oh, yeah. well. Uh, but that's, <laughs> a, that's a very broad genre for moms. <laughs> it's like anything that's not like a, on the Malt Shop Memories collection on late night TV. <laughs> but in, in their show, it's Lucy is the Antichrist, daughter of the devil. Is she, are her and Jesus like romantically linked? They met. Um, uh, how how did it work out? Where I think in the pilot episode, uh, they uh, had some. Uh, the devil had some kind of event to open up his new restaurant, and and they hired him as a DJ. Oh. So they met, and then the devil realized that he it was, was like a TGI Fridays kind of restaurant, right? Yes, yes, yeah. and it's uh, and. Um, it's Margarita something or other, yeah. And uh, then the devil realizes that he's Jesus, so he's trying to kill him. So he he sets he starts a fire and everything, and she saves him because <clears throat> she doesn't know right. that he's the devil, that he's Jesus. She just thinks he's a sweet DJ, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And a mistake so many have made yes. throughout the years. Yeah. <laughs> The, the thing that I like most about this show was, you guys kind of hinted at this, but I didn't realize how serious you were being, that there are a lot of characters where it's just H. John Benjamin dicking around. Yeah. Like, yeah. he plays, like, an Italian guy at one point, and, like, yeah, and a Judas. couple of little girls, and mm-hmm. the devil. He's doing a real weird voice as the devil. I don't even know how to describe it. Well, that and that is not, when he does, when the regular devil appears, because that devil isn't the regular devil. Yeah, he was in, like, disguise as the lifeguard. Yeah. This is confusing And for me. Uh, the regular devil, he's a much more laid-back sort of It's just fatherly, John Benjamin's voice. Fatherly kind of <laughs> yeah. dude, though. He's he like, wears a sweater a lot. <clears throat> yeah, because he, he wants to get that Bill Cosby vibe going. When Bill Cosby vibe was You know, yeah, b- before the Cosby vibe <laughs> Before the meant, Cosby vibe meant brand went straight yeah. to hell, yeah. Can we say yeah. that? Yes, yeah. you can. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Sort of like sailors, right? Yeah. Yes. You can say it anything. was even a great analogy to say that the uh, Cosby vibe went straight to hell. Yeah. So. It, it's, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's funny that the Cosby sweater was ruined for the devil by Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not, not the other way around. That's true. <laughs> Cosby was like, oh, the devil started wearing these signature sweaters. I think uh, uh, I can't touch that anymore. It's. <laughs> The devil is probably like, maybe we better distance ourselves from that Cosby sweater thing. I think I'm going to switch to a cardigan. Yeah. Uh, Can we try to break down what happens in this episode? I think the the best way is to just call it a a shining takeoff. They come to this sort of possessed, evil place. It's a school. Yeah, a Catholic school uh, in which some traumatic things happened in the past courtesy of the devil and uh so yeah there's a flashback yeah. scene to when in the, uh, i don't know how long ago well, to harry mary's childhood sister yeah. mary uh, vatican uh, soldier when, as when a child 
Sister Mary was very young and she was an awkward hairy child and the other kids would Before pick on Before she was her. an awkward hairy adult. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the other kids an would angry pick on awkward hairy yeah. adult. By the way, Harry Mary, really fun Eugene Merman character. Yes. Like, yes. He was doing a fun voice with that. Tony's going to do the Tom Tom with Harry Mary. That'll be funny. Bye, Mary. Stop calling me Harry Mary. Oh, I'll stop calling you Harry Mary when you shave your arms and wax your back and pluck your face. Leave me alone. Uh, not supposed to have disco records. It's a sin. Give it back. Honestly, Mary, do you think Tony would ever like a girl who has a bigger mustache than he does? Yes, I do. And uh, the devil convinces Harry Mary to get back at the girls picking on her by throwing a record player in the pool. Yep, they they throw they throw shampoo on her back, and he says, "Oh no, you got to go big with these." Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's it's so you know. she murders them. <laughs> no, she yeah. murdered. I mean, sure, yeah. you know, she she mass murdered them. There yeah. was like seven girls in this that pool. This is going to be back and forth, back and forth forever. Right. You know, let's just get. Let's go straight, yeah. straight to right. the main, the main event. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing way over here? Nothing. Oh damn! Hey, you can't let anyone get one over on you. You gotta get them back. Pour shampoo on them? No, no, no. Worse. In their eyes? Worse than shampoo in their eyes. You mean conditioner? No. Not conditioner, worse. Worse than conditioner? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Look at me. I am. Really? Y- yeah. Oh. Sorry. What's wrong with Here. your eye? Nothing. Let me tilt my head. I can create the illusion that I'm looking right at you. That's weird. I guess. Your eye is weird. Okay, I know I'm hairy. My eye is weird. My mustache, but you know all what? All right, all right. Look let's... inside. So in the future, in, in the future, uh, JC, DJ JC, and uh, Lucy and Judas set up shop here to work on uh, Jesus's remix for his DJ set. Or, his and, re- yeah, remix. remix, yeah, he re- takes it to the next level. That DJ next JC, level. and uh, he was like possessed by the spirits of the uh, the girls, the deceased girls that uh, Harry Mary electrocuted in the pool. And uh, they have to call upon an exorcism team. It just the, so the happens. The pro stars were not available to come. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or the Ghostbusters. Or the Ghostbusters. Yeah. They even mention, they even name drop the Ghostbusters they do. in there, yes. Uh, and it just so happens that one of the members of the exorcism team is Harry Mary, all grown up. The, as the murderer who yes, caused the murderess. Yes. And she's like, oh, and they pull up and she goes, what are we doing here? <laughs> I think it's funny that she's a nun now. And not just a nun, but like a top tier nun at the top, Vatican. Top, yes. And she's a child mass murderer. <laughs> Uh, this show is also from like that era when there was, it seemed like there was a lot of like CG animation adult swim shows where it like, it didn't matter how good the quality of the CG was. Adult swim still does that now, but they did have a period where they were just throwing like a thousand bucks at anyone who could make a cartoon. And and you're not exaggerating. It was probably about a thousand bucks. I mean, this whole show is like, it looks like it was made by the same people who did Veggie Tales. It's very like stripped right. I was down. Not, I was not going to say that it was Xavier, yeah, <laughs> or anything like yeah. or, or anything like no. that. But yeah, but what I like about it is that when I first saw it, that most of the characters, the background characters, remind you of the Lego people. Yeah, they're they're almost like weeble wobbles, like the yeah. pegs that you. 
Yes, L- little, I wanna, people. little people is what I wanted yeah, to say. Yeah, if you had the airport set. As mm-hmm. a, if, if you ever went to little an eye people, doctor yes. as a child, you probably yes. played with yes. these By things. the way, the pilot from that airport set has the weirdest <laughs> face of any toy I've maybe ever seen. I, that, it's like burned into and my mind what that pilot looks like. I always thought that, that one of the things that that was um, showing in, in this show was that there's like sort of this childlike fantasy wrapped around the whole thing that oh, definitely. even though even though you know they're they're dealing in the reality of the devil trying to kill Jesus right it's a, a DJ it's a very heady topic with a very very silly overtone yes and there's like this surreal stuff going around on mm-hmm. in the background all the time you know they're in absurd places doing even more absurd things and and just the characters themselves are absurd you have yes. Jesus Christ as a DJ who's dating maybe the daughter of the devil cruising in a van with Judas whose mother yeah. traded having sex and giving birth to the Antichrist for a 280Z oh alright that's a car yes okay I mean, if you're gonna have to bear a, a baby with horns, you should probably. <laughs> yeah, you got to get at least yeah. a Nissan out of it. Yeah, I, I would negotiate also for a C-section. <laughs> uh, so you would think the devil would have good drugs. He should. He yeah. should. I don't know what he's got. That was great, that discussion we just had, because I liked it. That was, like, one of the first times in the show we've really broken down a cartoon to, like, it's... Oh, definitely. We've, like, stripped it down. I'm, I'm going to take it even further, then. Do it. Uh, strip it down. Craig, you were talking about how this this show was short-lived, disappointingly so for fans. Absolutely. But, um, they did something kind of cool, something that I really enjoyed, like... I don't get big into comic books or anything, but when I do, it's usually something that's a closed story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's not ongoing for 10,000 issues, and maybe it gets good for a while, then maybe it gets shitty, then maybe it gets good again. Yeah, uh, if I recommend a yeah. comic book to him, he wants to know if they've finished yeah, I'm it. Like, yeah, is it, is it over? Is it going <laughs> to But this show does something like uh, British TV does a lot, too, where... They have a concept, they have a story arc, and they use the show to tell that story, and when it's done, it's done. Yes. And I I don't know always if that's out of necessity or if that's on purpose, because a lot of times when you start a cartoon, like a lot of our favorite shows, uh, like Venture Brothers is a good example, Adventure Time is the same way, the first season is really just silly fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they do set some stuff up where they can kind of pick up those threads later on, but for the most part, when you start a first season of a cartoon, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. No, you don't. You and, might only yeah. get that first season. You might only get six episodes. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to have that arc already wrapped up, or you just have to have goofy time. Or you have to be ready to completely change the last episode to set up for season two if you <laughs> yeah. get told at right. the end you're getting picked up. Yeah. Right. I Venture mean, Brothers famously murders their title characters at the end of season one. Yes. And then season two just comes back and they're like, never mind. (laughs) No, 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 no. They came back with the clones. Yeah, they they explained. Well, spoilers for for people people who are 12 years behind on the Venture Brothers. Who's 12? Are you 12 years behind on? No, 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 no. no, no. I've seen the whole series. No, we're we're very up to date on Venture. That's a a favorite. Oh, the whole, but that, I mean, that was genius the way they, I I loved that when it was just just like, oh, you've got to be kidding well, yeah, at the me. Close, and then you go, but wait, it makes perfect sense. They, and they reveal at the close of the show, there's another Venture brother. So they just pick yeah. it up with a different set of brothers. Yep. 
And then, if I remember correctly, the show opened to season two was Hank and Dean removed from Yeah, it. Hank and Dean have been replaced in all of the opening shots with Rusty and Jonas Jr. Right. They're so really just, fucking yeah. with their audience. Right. It was fun. Yes. I, I'm glad they did. I am I'm a fan of the show. I, I am too. Uh... Well, let's talk about this cereal you brought into my house. What is this crazy concoction <laughs> that you this brought to my house? Stuff. Let me tell you. How did I you hear this. about this? I heard about this when I moved from Cleveland after Rocket from the Tombs broke up in 1975. The following year, I got a job on the railroad out in the East Coast. Okay. So I moved to New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. So after a couple of years there, I'm watching TV and... Uh, the New England Patriots had hired a place kicker, I think in the early, early 80s, late 70s sometime. They brought this guy over from England. Okay. And I guess he was pretty a good. A British football British, player? British football Just player. Just like in the replacements, a, they bring in the British kicker. Yeah. A, so- <laughs> a, a soccer saw. So- the NFL, starting in the mid-60s, did a lot of this. The AFL did it, too, where they went over. Uh, there was the Gogolak brothers, I remember, really famous in the mid-60s. Uh, Garo Perriman. All these guys were European soccer players who could kick mm-hmm. long, a long way, very straight. So they would get these guys... And somehow the Patriots got this guy named, I think his name was Smith or something. But anyway, Very English. Yeah. <laughs> they started having him do ads for this um, is it cereal. A, is it a British cereal? A British it sounds cereal. very British. It's a British cereal, but for some reason in the... It's Weetabix, and it comes in biscuit form. Weetabix. Yeah, let's, let, yes. me, let me say, I was already perplexed by this cereal before <laughs> I even opened the box, but... To my surprise, I open the box and there's sleeves instead of a there's bag. There's two individual sleeves, and I'm yeah. like, we're already entering uncharted territory yeah. here before mm-hmm. I've even opened it. And I, I was very excited when you told me this was your pick because I was like, well, obviously no one has picked Weetabix yet. Yeah, have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So, <clears throat> uh, I didn't even know... I can see who the cartoon guy is and the serial guy is in this, yeah. in this deal I, here. That, yeah, that may be true. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I like to think we both cover it. It's a yin and yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll bring something to the table. Yeah. We, I, I, I'm trying to put it into the bowls, and I have to have Craig show me that you <laughs> the like... The process of pouring cereal. Because I'm this like, is, it's it, not broken apart. It's right. biscuits, like this you said. It's not your American just rip the top off the yeah. box and slam well, some into the bowl. I want it yeah. now, yeah. damn it. You've got, you've got to work this. Stuff. You've got to prep it. It's, it's so a you, ritual. You explained to me that you put one to two biscuits in the bowl, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, we wet the biscuits. We wet the biscuit to taste. With yeah. milk. Now, with milk. you don't just put it water on there to get it down. There are people... Oh, um, oh don't tell let's me get a little off. Let's get a little off subject here because I, I also, I like this stuff because I was a big fan <laughs> of shredded wheat. Yeah, and shredded wheat before mini big, wheats had the big the chunk. Big, yeah. Oh, you can still get those. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> you get... The, my mother used to do this. You would get the shredded wheat and she'd have the kettle on when she's making my dad's tea in the morning. And she was, and we're not English. I mean, we're from you know New York and Pennsylvania, but yeah. they drank tea. We all drank tea when I was a kid. But um, she would have the kettle hot, so she would take the shredded wheats and she'd pour a little hot water over them, and then she'd pour it out, and that would soften it up. And then you'd put the milk and the sugar and everything on it. Okay, that, that's so, different. Yeah, I think one thing the cereal was missing was, like you said, put a little sugar on, put some fruit in it too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You oh, know what? I I gotta disagree. I was. Obviously, I wasn't expecting it to be a sugary cereal, mm-hmm. but I thought it, the taste was perfect. The like, taste is wonderful. I I, I like the uh, the uh, 
thickness of the, the you know, the, you got something yeah. to crunch. Even when it's even when it's like you said, mush. Yeah, it gets it soggy. still has some body to it. I I like more milk on mine, so I had a lot more milk, mm-hmm. and mine was got soaked faster, but. It has an interesting mix of texture where it, it sort of softens up and gets a little bit mushy, but there's still, because it's got the whole grains in it and stuff, it has that shredded wheat kind of crunchy texture mm-hmm. inside of it. And we wouldn't know about it if it weren't for the New England Patriots. Yeah, there that's you go. true. <laughs> that's true. I, I could and not have guessed that that's how that it's, started. Um, then I'm, you know, it's, it's funny that the amazing, New England Patriots were advertising British cereal. You'd think there'd be yeah. a little bit more bad blood between the two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't want your taxes, yeah. but we will take your biscuit cereal. Yeah, yeah they, everyone remembers the the uh, famous Boston Weetabix party where they they <laughs> where they just wet the biscuits in the harbor to, <laughs> to soften them up just a bit, just Craig, send them back to King yeah. George. Yeah. Craig, what is the appropriate amount of biscuit wetting that needs to happen for yeah. eating I, Weetabix? I think it's a matter of taste. I have found that if you can soak the biscuit entirely, it'll absorb all the milk it needs, and then if you just you let the little, biscuit be the guy, you let the yeah. biscuit be the judge of how much milk should be in there, and then when you see a little bit. Of milk forming at the bottom of the bowl, you're ready to go. Ma- Maverick has a similar <laughs> system of pour milk, pour milk. You watch it as soon as the cereal moves, you cut it, you stop oh, it. That's I didn't know Australia. you were even aware of my yeah. system. Getting, I know your yeah. system. Yeah, that's the <laughs> rising tide method. Yeah, yeah. That's Ronald so. Reagan there, where you just the rising the rising cereal yeah. stop. You know? Yeah, the and Reagan. You let the milk trickle down. Lift, yes, <laughs> yes, and then the rising flakes. All the flakes How? rise, but they all get soggy. They all get soggy, <laughs> and it's just a big mess. In the How end. have we? never talked about this and how have I never thought to talk about my strategy I didn't know you knew my well, strategy it's out there now buddy Just everybody, the, everybody you, gotta, you gotta keep one keen eye on it and when that slight <laughs> jump happens that's it that's no. the cutoff point what I, does it have to do with Reagan wait wait a minute I, I feel like I, Reagan I, I we the one said we weren't going to talk about politics so let's just move on oh wait wait I want to know what Reagan's cereal oh, no, it was the trickle are, down the yeah, trickle, trickle down, down of the milk and the rising flakes yeah. uh, all the flakes rise together yeah, the milk trickles it, down and it, it raises everything up there I, you go I don't know. I don't know how I wrote that that strategy, and I don't know how you knew about it. But I really cannot believe we've never talked about it. I think America flakes are too heavy to float on that milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I said when we were eating the cereal that "Wet the Biscuits" was a pretty cool punk band name. I like a British punk band for sure. <laughs> we all wet the biscuits. <laughs> wet, the biscuits. wet the biscuits. <laughs> it also it, it sounds like maybe like. A dirty sex act, like yes. a British person would be like, "Oh, you know, a wet of biscuits," you know, <laughs> and we would be like, "I don't know what you mean," but but somebody like else fun. would know. Yeah. Hey, wait, you went out with my sister last yeah. night. Uh, Do not have- wet my sister's biscuits. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we have Craig here today, who has been in, I mean, how many different punk bands over the years? Oh, few, I would say, uh, a couple of note at least. Okay, okay, uh, and you. Started in the music scene in New York, right? No, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So okay. your, your folks came from New York and Pennsylvania I was, ancestrally. My parents are from New York and Pennsylvania. I was born in upstate New York. Okay. And uh, my father worked for the railroad, so we moved around a bit while I was young. Oh, you're second generation railroad. I'm sixth yeah. generation railroad. That's, wow. I got to say right now, that's fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, you know, my family, as long as up until the point that I retired um, 
it's been a year last December. Uh, as long as there's been a railroad in the United States, a member of my family was working for it. And I might still have some distant cousins working out somewhere because Jeez. there were a lot of us. Do you have any time. kids in the rail industry? I have no children. Okay, okay, okay. Music is your baby. Yeah, yeah. music is my music is, is my um, my legacy. So you were saying to me that in Cleveland in the 70s, you were in the punk scene, and I didn't even know there was an American punk scene in the 70s. I thought that didn't come over until the 80s. It was new. We are kind of considered as some of the founding fathers. I, I shouldn't we say. Being we Rocket being Rocket from the Tombs. Uh, Rocket from the Tombs and this band that I was in before that called Mirrors. Okay. Were uh, two Cleveland bands. Uh, 19, I joined Mirrors in 1971. I was 19 years old. And... Uh, you were playing bass. I was playing bass guitar. Yeah, I was actually. I had brought my Sid Barrett records over to my friend's house, and he introduced me to his friend, who wanted to get a band together, and uh, we started hanging around a bit. You know, listening to records and thinking. He goes, "Well, yeah, like you know. if there was no scene at the time, who were you inspired by? Like who who was shaping the music that you were writing at that time?" Uh, at that time, we just uh, the velvet. Well, there was a scene, not so much for us. I mean, you know, as growing up in things, I mean, Cleveland was a very musical town, and the things that really influenced me. Cleveland rocks, I've heard. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> well, there was this. To me, to me, the biggest thing that made Cleveland Cleveland was this radio station in Windsor, Ontario, called CKLW, okay. which was a fifty thousand watt um, rock and roll pop music station at, in those days. On, in Windsor, Ontario, which mm-hmm. is basically Detroit. Right. So all through the 60s, they're playing all the Motown hits, of course. They're mm-hmm. playing all the regional stuff out of Detroit. People like the Rationals <laughs> and and um, Bob Seger and, you know, in the early days. And, you know, in the early days, Bob Seger is some great stuff. And, uh, and, uh, but also, because they were a Canadian radio station, they'd be playing all the stuff that was on the British charts but wasn't over in the U.S. or didn't chart the U.S. So you're hearing the Who and the Animals and the Zombies weeks before So they're sort of breaking them to the U.S. crowd. And that's Mm. what we grew up with. So we were like totally immersed in that. Plus, uh, the Velvet Underground played in Cleveland. Uh, I think they did like three residencies in Cleveland in the late 60s. And Jamie Klimek, the guy who got me into Mirrors, uh, recorded them. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, he mm-hmm. went to the shows. He was like 15 years old, 15 or 16, yeah. going to this this uh, folk club on the east side of Cleveland to uh, see the Velvet Underground. So we were, and we were, you know, we knew who they were and we were into that kind of stuff. So with Mirrors, we just started doing things like that. And uh, then I met some other people that were, you know, other bands, the, the early Rocket people and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So there wasn't a scene so much where we were all hanging out like you would these days, but mm-hmm. we found some places to play and, uh, you know, and, and did some shows and things like that and, and wanted to be, you know, yeah, thought well, we were going to be rock and roll stars. Well, when you guys are first hearing that stuff, you have to know, well, I'm not the only person who would want to hear this. So it, oh, it was even, on the radio, yeah. so we figured even, anything we heard on the right. radio, we thought, well, that's great, because I like that, so I want to do something like that. Yeah, so even when there's not a scene, you know it's out there, people are hearing it. Yeah. I, I'm not the only one who loves this, surely. Right. 
So you, it sort of gives you permission to start that scene. Oh, yeah. You, you're in a unique position to be like on the cutting edge of that because you're, I guess you're the, the outlier sort of. You're getting the first glimpse of that in, in the U.S. ahead of everybody else in a sort of unique place. Nobody would probably think, well, clearly the forefront of, of punk rock is in Ohio, but you kind of have this unique have position to pick that up before a lot of other people, especially other rural communities. Yeah, well, not, well, not that Cleveland is rural, but people yeah. would think of Ohio as a rural state, I suppose. Well, we always considered Cleveland sort of a island unto itself, that there was Cleveland, yeah. and then there was Ohio, you know. Right. Kind of right. like Chicago and Illinois. Exactly. Oh, we're familiar yeah. with that. Uh, well, yeah. then you know exactly what I'm tell, talking tell about. Tell someone you're from Illinois, and they go, oh, how close to Chicago are you? What part of Chicago are you from? Yeah. I'm not. They're like, oh, well, never mind. Five, five, <laughs> five miles dead from Cairo. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how old are you now? I'm 64. So you've been touring since you were 19? I've been playing in bands and uh, not extensively touring, but playing in bands and uh, continuously, yeah, since I was When did you start touring? Uh, back in those days, when I was in Cleveland, we didn't do any touring. When I okay. moved to Connecticut, uh, starting in around 1978, 1979, I started in bands there. And by 1980, we were doing shows up towards Boston, up into uh, Maine, and down into New York. We got down as far south as Washington, but I never did a like national tour mm-hmm. until Rocket for the Tombs got back together in 2002. Okay. In 2003, we did a, a How old tour. were you then? Uh, it was like 15 turned, years ago, so you were in your early 50s. 50s. I was like 51, I think, okay. then, yeah. Yeah. And um, we did a, a tour of the U.S. and Canada. We did some shows over We did, did some shows over in Europe and things like that. Oh, that's since awesome. Then. So, Talk about um, playing CBGB. Uh, I played CBGB's the first time with my band Saucers in about 1979. Yeah, and it was still like the place in right. those yeah. days, the and it was a big deal. You know, you go down there on a Thursday or a Wednesday, and you're one of maybe twenty bands that they're just shuffling on the stage and yeah. off. But still, you're in the almost ad. open mic style where they're just like boom. Yeah, pretty much. You had about fast. twenty minutes, but you were billed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You were billed, and uh, and we, you know, you could. Uh, you could be asked back. Right. They weren't fucking around getting as many people on that stage yeah. as possible. Later on, it got a lot worse. You know, back by the time the, the late 80s, mid to late 80s, hit around uh, CBs, to me, had become kind of like a tourist trap and not really I, I think uh, a that's lot fair, was going yeah. on. And then after that, it just sort of became an icon and now it's gone, which... Now it's a t-shirt logo. Now and it's a, a t-shirt logo. And the building's and a, a jewelry and, store. And a hamburger right. joint at the Newark uh, airport or something are like you that. shitting me that's no. what i just read recently the the building where it was is now like an upscale jewelry yes store. like, like upscale whole, like you're not even allowed to just walk in off the street that whole neighborhood of the body Very gentrified. is completely yeah. gentrified you wouldn't recognize it if you had been coming down there in the 70s because that was a rough rough part of town i used to stay over on um, 3rd and um, Avenue A at my friend Mike Weldon's house. And uh, you'd have to walk. It's, it's, it's a fairly good, you know, 20, 25-minute walk mm-hmm. across 
the lower part of Manhattan at like three in the morning. And it's a lot of times you're walking down the streets, you're the only person you can see, and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to see another person no, at that don't. point. You yeah. don't. My, my <clears throat> strategy always was if I saw anybody who looked like they were going to mess with me, I would just stop and start screaming at a parking meter. And I hope that they think I'm nuts and leave me alone. Hope that they're not crazier than you. Hey, that's yes. my parking meter. Exactly. Only I yeah. get to yell yeah, at that exactly. meter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what are you talking to my wife for? You don't yeah. talk to her. That's only I you. do that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't talk to her like that. You were trying to say something. I'm sorry. Um, before uh, the mic was on, you were telling me about how when you were younger, people told you when you got older you would be invisible to certain people and they just wouldn't give a fuck about you and that gives you a certain freedom do you how does that work like how have you experienced that in music because obviously the punk game is notoriously like a young man's game so sometimes like ridiculously so it's mm-hmm. like 18 to 21 it seems to be like when most bands get started but you, I mean, you were in a bit of a unique position. You're coming back to it with an established name, doing a nationwide tour. Like, how how was that experience? Did you feel welcomed back, or did you feel like some people were kind of shitty about it, or was it just just I, fucking I, fun to ride again? It it was <laughs> uh, it was a wonderful thing because people had been dying to see us. We Rocket from the Tombs really was. A couple of cassette tapes that people mm-hmm. traded between themselves until mm-hmm. like the early 90s when I think a couple of bootleg records appeared. And then there were these albums, maybe two or three hundred copies floating around. But mm-hmm. that was it. All the other things was some guy writing in some fanzine somewhere about this great band out of Cleveland that nobody's ever heard about. Yet you know the songs because the Dead Boys did Sonic, mm-hmm. Sonic Reducer, Final Solution. Um, what love is? Uh, never gonna kill myself again. Uh, Dead boys da- were doing covers of your songs. Flames. Well, they, you know, Cheetah wrote a lot of these yeah. songs. I, I don't consider them covers. I mean, Cheetah took his riffs and his songs. Into Cheetah his Chrome. Next, Cheetah Just Chrome. Yes. Into Google the next it. band. If you're, if you're out there listening, Google. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing with with uh, Perubu with David Thomas, the lead singer, mm-hmm. and Peter Lochner. They went and started Ubu. They took Final Solution, and they took 30 Seconds Over Tokyo and made those songs legendary as Perubu songs and Dead mm-hmm. Boy songs. But people in the know would tell people, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah, that stuff's really good. Check but out here, the early Check stuff. out this, yeah. you know, this rock from the tune. Well, I, so, I think there's, like, what you're saying, like, 300-run records and stuff, that's sort of, like the magic number I feel like there's a lot of bands that get their start doing because it's about the smallest run you can do yes and a lot of bands starting out are just broke as fuck anyway so you're gonna do the smallest run and it's just that right amount where it can spread it gets out there but it's also it's hard to find people want it yes people are trying to get their hands on it and it it builds that kind of buzz it's it's a mix of accessibility but also like mystery mm. and living in cleveland in the early 70s when we started you're talking about you know 19 20, mm-hmm. 21 which when i started mm-hmm. out uh the whole idea of making a record we didn't even know where to start with something like that in 1974 we went to our first real recording studio which was some guy with a four-track machine in a in a loft yeah. space on the east side of cleveland but to us this was yeah. Wow! Yeah, you know, this wasn't the basement of of Jamie's mother's. Yeah, house. this isn't someone with a uh, 
a, a cassette deck where they hit record. Well, you know, most of most of the stuff that Mirrors has right now is mm-hmm. it's exactly where that stuff is from. You know, is is from cassette machines yep. that we would just set on something and push and just record like a dictaphone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. this album that we had talked about a little bit earlier that yeah, I yeah, have yeah. coming out, all the tracks on that album are off of like thirty year old cassette tapes. That so I've you're re-releasing a lot of this material that's been previously bootlegged. I uh, the stuff I'm going to be releasing uh, coming up on this album that I have coming out called mm-hmm. AKA Darwin Lane, which was mm-hmm. a stage name that I briefly used back in those days, is never been released. It's all. Uh, just bands of mine uh, from Connecticut. Uh, there's some early stuff from Mirrors. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some things in between, and some things you know uh, running up to about 1988. So all of that, but all of it has been in on these cassettes that I've had for all these years that I took to a friend of mine named Tyler Watkins here in town, who's a fantastic mm-hmm. recording engineer who clean these things up and just make them sound. I mean. Obvious that they're old right. recordings, but well, wow. I mean that's kind of the point. You don't want them to sound like you made them yesterday. No, you don't. Yeah. You know, let's save that for the stuff <clears throat> I'm writing now. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can make stuff that comes out you know tomorrow anytime. But I mean, you're in your 60s and you're you're still putting out new stuff. Yeah. And we've st- played a show together two three weeks. Yes, ago. you're yeah. still touring. Yes, in fact, I'm touring more now that I've retired from my job. I've uh, I've been over to Europe in the past year. I've been mm-hmm. to Europe with Rock from the Tombs. I've done an East Coast tour with them of the U.S. I've done a two-week Southern tour with my other band, my other uh, punk band, X Blank X, down south and out in Texas. I uh, I didn't realize you were in so many projects currently. Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm a busier busier than I probably should be. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it because yeah. I'm really having a wonderful time. And the band that I know you from, first and foremost, is the Downfy. Um, Which is my outfit with all, that's mm-hmm. my writing outlet. And I mean, most right. of these other bands, I'm a support player for, you know, another writer right. or something. But in this band, it's pretty much, this is me. The Downfy yeah. is pretty much me. Uh, and the Downfy, at least... One of your records you put out on Cave Tone Records. Yes, that our that's, most recent which is record. how it was, that's how we met. Yeah, yes. and Carrie from Cave Tone Records has been on the show. So ah, it's, yeah, she's a delight. <clears throat> she is one it's of a one of my best. Yeah. She is. She's wonderful. I, I made sure to ask her like, what kind of stuff do I need to ask Craig about when he comes? What's on? her What's her favorite cereal? Uh, we ate Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Yeah. Oh, ooh. You're getting, which is also my favorite. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, roof your it's mouth. Great. But like, exactly. <laughs> it, it was a discussion topic. Like it's not not for the faint of heart or the weak of mouth. That's yeah. Sure. Speaking of cereals, the other day, you feel know, free to speak of cereals all you, you want. You get, yeah. you get a lot of people post old photographs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. whatever on yeah. Facebook, mm-hmm. and somebody had posted this um, this uh, billboard of a Kellogg cereal called OK Oats. And everybody in the comments was going, I've never heard of this, I've never heard of this. But I remembered it. it. They had like a Scotsman in a kilt with tart and everything with a big red beard. And they were basically Kellogg's version of Cheerios. Uh-huh. They were just okay, though. And they, but they, <laughs> yeah. but they were just okay, yeah. And they disappeared yeah. right, very quickly. They, they vastly outsold not that good oats, though. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know what? I'm Me- glad- me- <laughs> yeah. Videos, I yeah. think, is what they were. You know what? I'm glad we brought it back to this because, uh, I, I, I mean, I was genuinely shocked when you and I were just chatting before, and I found out that you are, like, a legit cartoon enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I love cartoons. You were yeah. just, like... I, I was shocked. You cartoons. were going on about all these amazing cartoons oh, yeah. you love. When we had lunch this afternoon, I was excited to tell him that your list that you gave me was Rick and Morty, which was out. That's but that's the one show that every person brings up or every person asks to do. And then I, I'm so glad to hear that too because I thought that I was fantastic. on my own little planet watching oh, that no. show. But I love that show is and, deep. And then the other three ones that you picked were. Uh, Bob's Burgers, Archer, and Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, all H. John Benjamin shows, which we love, obviously. Yes, oh, I love H. John Benjamin, too. Yeah, he's fantastic. It's just... I cut you off before because I wanted it on a hot mic, but you were telling me why you... Why why cartoons? Like, why why is it that you want to be in that world instead? Well, it's just... in, In cartoons, you can just get away from all this other stupid stuff that's going on. Yeah, in the world, you know, but still, you know, you're getting stories told. You're, you're, um, you know, you're uh, and the ones we're talking about. You're dealing with mm-hmm. pop culture and things. Yeah. You're still, you're not totally tuning out the outside world, but you don't have to listen to all the daily BS that you have to do to function. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really nice escape, and I yeah. don't like. Uh, I don't have to commit myself to cartoons. I mean, cart- uh, I was. But just, you can. You can if you want to. It's but, open to you. But yeah. as an example, like Archer, I I loved that show when it came out, but I quit watching it because I wanted to have something to watch later. So I didn't <laughs> watch for like three years. And now I can go and sit when they'll do like on FXX or something. They'll yeah. do like a, they do a, lot of a block of four yeah. or something. I'm watching stuff I haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, so I'm really happy about that. Plus, new season just started. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I think... That your choice, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, and like we talked about, that whole sort of, it's almost like a subgenre of Adult Swim cartoons of the low-budget DIY. I, I mean, do you think that kind of comes from your your punk rock roots and your love? Because they're, they, could, they got away with whatever. They were like, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. We could deal with big stuff and we can, we can do real stories and real issues, but we can make it our own way. We can do whatever the fuck we feel mm-hmm. like. And it's through this sort of weird DIY lens that we're seeing all this. I mean, if you told me that a, there was going to be a cartoon about uh, the Antichrist and Jesus, and the, like the devil trying to destroy him and all that, mm-hmm. you would... The show that you picture in your head is not Lucy, Daughter of the no. Devil. It's it's this epic, like, anime. There's going to... Surely there's going to be a sword somewhere yeah, involved oh, exactly. in that. Yeah, yeah that, that's the most beautiful, <clears throat> is that it's so mundane and so... Yes. Every day dealing with, you know, these, the devil is a human being. The yes. Antichrist. He has his is, failures that he has to deal with. The Antichrist is the girl next door. Yeah. And Jesus is a DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, this is. Not just a DJ, a DJ trying to get somewhere. Like, he's yes. trying to make it work. Yes. Everybody, and everybody's struggling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's dealing with, you know, pushing the rock up the hill just like we do every day. Right. It's not like anyone's sitting, like you'd say, on their throne somewhere mm-hmm. in their lair, um, 
you know, pointing at someone saying, oh, have his head cut off. No, it's yeah. not like that. The dude's trying to figure out what drink special to work this week. Yeah, the diarrhea. Get people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get or people the strawberry into, into, the, uh, into the taco place. Um, we're getting kind of sort of close to wrapping up here, but while we have some time, I said to you before that I was like, the the reason I want you on is I just want I want some old cool stories from stuff that's happened at yeah. shows. Let's start <laughs> with the one you mentioned. Crazy. The, let's start with the one you mentioned. Well, you were, uh, this was actually something recent. This was uh, about a year ago. Okay. Uh, we had X Blank X, and X Blank X is an offshoot of another Cleveland band from back in the nineteen seventies uh, called the Electric Eels. Okay. And uh, John Morton, the founder of the Electric Eels, before he left Cleveland to go to New York, he started this band just for six months called X Blank. X. Okay. They did a little bit of recording, put out some singles in the uh, mid early '80s, and then he went on. He's a, uh, a an artist, and a very very good one. I think when they write when they write books about the great artists of the late 20th century, mm-hmm. I think that they're they are going to talk about John Morton. Okay. Are you talking strictly musically, or is no, he also no, this a visual is his artist? Art, his visual art, yeah. his paintings, his sculptures, and, and okay. his pieces. Total, totally, just another part of who he is. But anyway. He also, he and I... Right, hold on, are, are you pitting a little hard over yeah, there? Yeah, it's just, I've, I, I was very hot before we started we, this We should podcast. mention that Jack ran to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. In the rain. Yeah. Yeah. I had a rough time. I had a rough time. You look like you're struggling a little bit yeah, over there. No, I, I, I gotta say, I'm just, I feel a million times better now that we've sat down and ate cereal and watched cartoons and just talked about it. I, like, I, I, I feel like now I'm in my element. Who needs anything more? Yeah. I'm glad the healing powers of yeah. this podcast could save yes. you. Yes, thank, okay. thank so you. So X Blank X, John Morton, look him up. John D. Morton, look him up. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we're playing this show in Detroit at the UFO Club uh, last year, and mm-hmm. a packed crowd, uh, really having a good time. But John has always, his history has always been kind of confrontational. When he was younger, he was uh, just a much more confrontational mm-hmm. person. So he has this kind of reputation. So you never know wherever we go uh, what's going to happen. But now he's a much mellower, cooler guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you have a reputation, there's some people that just only see you that way. Yeah, and, and might encourage it. And might encourage yeah. it, yeah. So, so we're playing, and I had noticed earlier on that there are these two uh, very large trans... I mean, when I say large, like about six foot tall <laughs> transvestites um, at the club. And I thought, eh, well, that's cool. You yeah. Know? So we're playing along, and all of a sudden, after about the third song, we stop. All of a sudden, I hear this voice out there. And that's not punk rock. You guys suck. Fuck <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and I look out, and here is that great big blonde transvestite coming through the crowd towards us. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, if she gets on stage, I'm going to have to hit her with my guitar. I know it. <laughs> And I'm just going, oh, please, please, somebody, you know, make that not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we start up the next song, and all of a sudden the crowd just sort of, she just sort of gets sucked back into the crowd. So I didn't see, and the rest of the show goes on, and everything's great, and we have a good time. <laughs> and afterwards, we go uh, down to the point section of Detroit uh, for Coney Dogs. Uh, they're <laughs> nice. famous for their Coney nice Dogs, choice. I am told. So we go in there, we walk into the place, it's now about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, prime time and to get a, a couple of a couple of yeah. folks get in line to get our our dogs and and what have you. And John and I go to find a table, and we're walking down here, and all of a sudden I hear, "Hey, <laughs> hey, Mister Punk Rock, <laughs> come over here." That's your alias, right? Yeah. It was, this was directed towards John, not towards oh, okay, me. Okay, okay. 
So, and there she is with a friend, with a couple of friends of her sitting at this table. Now, John is, you know, he just smiles and comes over and sits down. Well, it turns out that they, it was all just fun and games, yeah. but they were, she is, uh, her name is Genitalia. No. And she plays in this, she fronts this great. punk rock band called Glitter Trash out of Detroit. I think I've heard that name before. And uh, we had a really great time and we start talking and she's, starts telling me about how she was so influenced by Cleveland bands and everything and and I mentioned to her about the bands and she didn't know that I had been in Rocket from the Tombs right. and, and all this and she was just like beside herself just I had a new best friend yeah yeah and uh, we had a wonderful a best friend time. that you thought you were going to have to fight earlier than yeah. early, well isn't that some of your best friends or yeah. people you think are either <laughs> going to punch you or you're going to punch them you know and, and maybe it's that kind and of and then sometimes you end up in bands with those people and you do and maybe sometimes <laughs> you end up punching them and they end up punching you but it seems like those kind of people seem to last throughout your life a lot longer too for <laughs> better or for worse sure they've sure. been tempered yeah yeah so anyway, uh, it just it all turned out well, yeah. you know. And it usually I've been lucky in things again. I mean, yeah. remember one time. Well, wait, one big question before we take up: How was the Coney Dog? <laughs> Coney Dog was good, but uh, you know, I Overrated, don't know. Overrated, man. Uh, no, it just there was just uh, something was missing. I don't know okay. what it is. I don't know what it is. And I love hot dogs, too. But there was just something missing in the chili. And pl- I hope this doesn't play in Detroit. I won't be able to yeah. show myself there again. There's, we would like to say that uh, the opinions of Craig Bell do not reflect the opinions of the Flannel Cakes podcast on, that is on true. Coney Dogs. And Craig Bell just wants to say he does love Detroit, but the Coney Dog? Eh, I'll have to try it again. <laughs> who's a, who's a, a band or an artist that you've played with that, like, even today, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I played with them. Uh, well, there's two things that, that even to this day blow my mind. I open, I got to open for John Cale twice. Okay. And uh, that was that was almost like being open, being able to open for, you know, God. <laughs> yeah. and, He's a good uh, DJ. Yeah. Yeah, God's a great DJ. Yeah. And That's I got to play reasons. at Max's Kansas City in New York City, right. which was uh, where the Velvet Underground had a residency in the summer. I got to stand on the same stage that, that the Velvet Underground spent a summer playing, uh, and a record that no, I got to feel incredible yeah. off of when it came out in the early '70s. And to be able to do that, I, I felt like, man, that was like, yeah, right up there. Right. You know. it, it's awesome that you still feel like a privilege and like a sense of wonder to get to do some of this stuff, even after all your years in the business. I do. I really enjoy this. And one of the things I enjoy more than anything else is going to some place like Tuscola the or vault, Charleston. Yeah. The or, Vault Arts Collective or in Tuscola. Or a place like Orlando, Florida. Yeah. And the people come up to you after the show and they... they they don't say you were great or anything. They say, thank you for coming to our town. Thank yes. you for bringing this to us because this doesn't come here. That's yeah. great. Man. This comes to the big cities. This doesn't come to the smaller cities. And that's, yeah. those are the people I love playing for. Those are the people I love meeting because those are the true the true punk rockers. And, the true and, people that are, are just just like I've been all my life right, you know, right. doing this. and. With a deep love for it. From my much more limited scope of experience than yours has be in, in, in bands and stuff, anyone can come up to you and say, oh, good job. Yeah. 
But when someone has a specific compliment or something that they took away from it or something that you did that actually meant something, it, mm-hmm. it means a million times more, not no. just as a compliment. Like, you feel like you've done something worthwhile. It's, it's I, I, Not to throw the word touching, you know, but it, it kind of it makes you feel good. You know? I, good thing to remember if you're leaving comments on the iTunes page when we go to iTunes. Yeah. And, you know, these are these are tips yeah. that Jack is giving you touching. here. Say, touching. Tell, tell people you were touched by the Flannel Cakes podcast. Uh, I, I wait. Touch. Yeah. I, I, there's one in thing the ears. There's one thing I do want to say before we get off this subject. I've had it doesn't happen often, but I've had people come up to me and sincerely look me right in the eyes and say, "Your music saved my life." Right. That's and amazing. And then they'll go on and tell you a story about how they were, you know, all messed up, all screwed up, and that mm-hmm. the only thing that seemed to be able to reach them to make them know that things going to be okay was a song that that I might have played on or song I had a, a yeah. hand in helping make or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's and incredible. You, it's just, it's, when you see the sincerity in there, and some of them have cried while they've said it, and they've made me cry. Yeah, I, yeah. And it's, it's not what I, it's not, it's not something that I ever expected mm-hmm. to happen. Right. You know, but I, I don't has. think most people anticipate that just in life that that could ever yeah. be something that it's, happens. It's 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 a really really um, uh, great feeling to know that you've touched someone that yeah. deeply, but to know that you touched someone that needed that right. yeah. is right. even a more amazing thing. So and that's why I think the power of music and 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 art is just so tremendous and so necessary. Absolutely, and and you're talking about like. A really profound kind of experience. Even beyond that, you have to have been involved in so many people's lives. Just your song could have been playing in the background at some key moment in their life, and they'll yeah. always have that memory attached. Or just maybe, like we yeah. do to other people's exactly. songs. Sure, I hear certain songs, and it takes me exactly back yeah. to something. There was a summer yeah. that some guy had the best fucking summer of his life, and he was listening to your record the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's now he's going to hear that song, and that takes him back to everything that happened. I have songs like I have songs yeah. that trigger oh, other people's songs that right. trigger trigger those things. That me absolutely. Yeah, absolutely i think we all do yeah the tim has touched a lot of people didn't they <laughs> uh, hey, we're, these... we're still in litigation i'm not allowed to comment on <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh do you want to get any of this not, or not sucking up to the host but but tim Blythe are a great band nothing there well, the tim Blythe were, were okay, a great band, band. So, well, no, I, uh, well thank you craig i, I well, appreciate you it know, never say never that's it, something i have found out it means a lot and i take it as a high compliment and the reason, a big reason why I wanted to have you here is because you made a big impression on me when we played our first show together. Because I knew, I didn't know the entire scope, and I've still learned a lot more about your career today. But uh, knowing that you're someone who had been around, you know, for 40 plus years in the punk rock scene, playing a show with us, and to come up and, again... The reason I bring that up, you had a specific compliment. You you had something specific about the set that you liked that you brought to me. I was just blown away. I was like, wow, like that that means a lot. And it stuck with me. And I was looking forward to the whole year when we were going to play the next anniversary show for oh, the label. Well, so. thank you. Thank you all very right, much. Well, you guys have sucked each other's yeah. dicks enough. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> okay. So cut, cut out all the parts about us being nice to each other. And just... uh, Craig, this yeah. is your opportunity. Plug what you want to plug, man. Oh, well, like I said, I have a uh, album coming out on Ever Never Records here later this year uh, called 
Craig Bell, a.k.a. Darwin Lane. It's a lot of recordings of mine from like 1980, 1988, my lost decade, as it were. Yeah. And um, you have a single on July 4th. I have a single coming out, a preview to the album coming out around July 4th. And also right now uh, we have new albums out by Rocket for the Tombs and X Blank X. They're both available at uh, finer record stores. And if they don't have them, it's not a very fine store. My <laughs> there you go. That, that's the barometer. Uh, if yeah. you want to check out more of my music, uh, my band's The Downfy, Rocket from the Tombs, and X Blank X, which is X underscore 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 <laughs> X. And... Uh, all of them have Facebook pages, so you can okay. check us out there. And like I said, uh, find a good record store. You'll what's find the, us. What's the easiest way for people to find out the release date of your record since it's not the date's not determined yet? Uh, again, go to uh, go to my Facebook page, Craig Bell. Okay, and. Uh, you will find out everything that is going on in Craig Bell land. Okay. <laughs> some things you may not want to know. <laughs> uh, we'll do some social media real quick. Flannel underscore cakes on Twitter. Flannel cakes podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Someone told me this week that we, uh, that they listened to the show uh-huh. And then we, we wow! I'm, I'm already I'm yeah, like, yeah I'm blown away. <laughs> can't, can't believe it. Thank I you. Yeah. <laughs> no, someone told me that they listened to the show. And we do the Twitter, and we do the email, and then we dick around so much that by the time the show's over, they've forgotten our email address. Get a fucking pen. Also, there's a rewind no, 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 don't, button. Don't, <laughs> don't shit on our listeners. We have so few. Don't shit yeah. on them. Well, they may like that. You know <laughs> what? For promotional materials, we need to have flannel cakes pens made so that they can make notes during our show. Well, I, th- I think our... Or we, or we could just have pens made that have our Twitter and email printed on the side. That's I, genius. I think Can't what I'm getting Can't. at, what I'd like to say is, is... shut the fuck up. No, is that our <laughs> social media guy should maybe put those on our Facebook and our Twitter. Hmm. Well, how will they find it if they can't get to one or the other? And who is your social media guy? Mm, it, mm. it might be the sweaty guy. Oh. Yeah. Okay, uh, would you like to tell us He's what you want? too busy mopping the sweat up. What do you want to do first? Would you like to tell us what you want in our inbox this week? Or would you like me to read our one new piece of viewer mail? Okay, what I would like... Go ahead. Go ahead and read it. Uh, this is from Clay. <laughs> he says, hey guys, long time listener, fourth time emailer. <laughs> okay, thank you, Clay, for your continued support. Uh, he sent us a picture of the Utah Jazz mascot and said that it looks like something from the Star Wars Christmas special. And I think that he is It right. definitely does. Have you seen the Star Wars Christmas special? That is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's, you know what? When it you looks post, like a, a werewolf bear horse. When you, can you do me a favor? When you I post this man picture, bear pig. it man might bear be man bear pig. When you post this to our Facebook page, can you please put Craig's quote of "That is unfortunate." That's, yeah, that's what I think about that. Thank you for sending us that, Clay. Uh, Jack, what would you like to see in our inbox this week? Ooh, um, tell us about a man that touched you. <laughs> Not if it's Michael Jackson. Don't we yeah. don't want that email. Yeah, don't we, tell us that. Well, just don't tell us where he touched. That's <laughs> you're, you're selling it to the wrong place. You need to contact legal counsel, um, and we we can't provide that. Yes, but a band that touched you would be great. All right, everybody, say bye. Bye bye. Thank Thanks you for being on the show, Craig. Thank so. you for having me. This has been great.
Easter eggs. <laughs> we'll run out of guests. Coming out of your wazoo. No, I don't want that your to happen. Your wazoo's going to be like an Easter egg cannon. No. <laughs> I, we're going to run out of guests before we're I run out of Easter eggs. to go back to the eggs. doctor and be like, doctor, I got Easter eggs flying out of my wazoo. <laughs> He'll be like, wazoo, that's not a medical term. <laughs> no, I guess why I gave you those antibiotics. 